So the right. going down next door, you're making bags. You're making marbles and glass stuff too? What was that? Like over the summer, you sent me some work that was like totally different than what you normally do. The snow globes. Yeah. Um, the snow globes are made with like trash and ocean water and like I collect the water and garbage from like the same site, like from around the world. Um, and it's kind of like a micro hyper version of uh, like ocean acidification. So there's actually ocean water that you collected in those? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Thanks. That's so really cool. So like, yeah, it's like a you know, a snippet of what's happening on like a macro scale. Mhm. Mm are you still working on those or that was just like a one off um, minute? I mean, I do them when I travel, so I'm not really traveling right now. <laughs> so when you went to Europe, like you, that's where some of these came from, right? Yeah, in India. Cool. And I mean, I have them from the States, like from Portland and California, New York. And How many do you have, roughly? Uh, five, four. Okay. You're going to have to get all, all oceans collected. Yeah, I mean, I haven't made one in a while. Um, the one I made out of like the Gowanus Canal in New York here, uh, it's like the water's just turned totally black and like bad. Like once it's in there? Yeah, it does strange things once it's like, because oh, wow. it's creating like an anaerobic environment. Right, right inside of the sphere huh. um, yeah wait so what's the format of this it's a podcast but it's a video pretty much okay yeah i mean it's like a long format conversation but basically you can record on zoom for like an hour i think for free so right uh this actually came like I started I was editing for the method makers like they're doing like a graffiti podcast and they did it this format. So I'd, I'd edited like 10 of them in a row. Oh. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is actually super dope and easy to do. Like, I'm just gonna do it with my friends. Like, why not? You know, Oh, it's gonna be edited. Well, not not really. I mean, all I do is like take this put like an intro and an outro on it and put it on YouTube. Okay, so and I probably shouldn't be talking about that part what the podcast and whatnot no i mean I who cares? like <laughs> that's the whole point is like it should be like a fucking kick it like you know like it's not it's not supposed to be like the john knox fucking only episode where he has to explain his whole life it's like you could be on the show as many times as you want like you know all right like you know being that person that's like you know right before we got on here you're telling me about like the federal the federal thing yeah like Dude, there's so much shit going on in the world and like there's only so much bandwidth I feel like that we all get like that it's like 
that's fucking sick. But like, dude, in my world, I'm just like focused on so many other different things. Like I'm stoked about it, but like, also like, I just don't know, like, how can we all know, uh, you know, everything at once sort of. <laughs> oh, did we lose John? We lost him. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> philosophical right there it's, it's my bad back. you're gonna have to edit that together nah i mean who whoever watches this for an hour is like got their own problems <laughs> right so hi out there problems people um but all right um, so you made some you made some of the, like the technical difficulties screen right there yeah <laughs> it accidentally closed the zoom you're Clearly, so I don't know how you do it. It just it can't handle you. Right. Are you holding any crypto right now? Um sort of. You're emojiing me too. This is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um sort of? What do you mean? How like you either holding crypto or you're not? Like, what do you mean? It's complicated. Oh. I'm shorting Bitcoin right now. I see. So you're like tethered up. No, I'm shorting it. Right, but that means your money's out of the market, hoping it's going to go down, right? No. Oh, like you, you, you took a call that like a position that can short it. I'm doing a leverage short. Oh, look at you, you bad boy. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, no. leverage. I don't fuck with that shit. That'll fuck you. Yeah. Or it'll make you. I mean, it's like one or the other. It goes both ways, definitely. No, I, uh, I don't do. I don't necessarily take the risk because, like, I don't need to at this point anymore. Like, there's there's enough in the fund working that like it's not worth it to like be super aggressive with it. You know, it's easier to just like just make small plays and take like five percent gains. Yeah, I'm um, pretty exciting. You know. No, I've got some stocks right now. Like what, Tesla and Netflix? No, um, I had some EV stocks and then I sold them on Friday and then they tanked on Monday. Uh-huh. So that was good. So you're winning a little bit there. Definitely. And I've got uh, three different like psychedelic medicine pharmaceutical companies. Oh, that you're like buying stocks in or for? Yeah. Cool. Based out of Colorado or West Coast or? Canada. Oh, nice. All of the, all the psychedelic pharmaceutical companies are based out of Canada. Uh-huh, uh-huh. At this time. Or they're, you know, their headquarters are there, but they, they operate in the States as well. Have you been to Canada? Yeah. Did you like it? Um, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were doing a portrait for a uh, weed CEO for Business Insider. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, we were we were just out in like the farm country around Montreal. 
but like even further just like in between new york state and montreal it's just all like cat farm country it was an old hershey's chocolate factory that uh is now a weed grow operation oh all right basically saved the town like once hershey left in 2008 the town was basically nothing and then weed was legalized and that brought a lot of jobs damn but the weed game is just fucking going insane right now dude it's still like not profitable well i mean i'm trying to get stuff for my friends and they're like okay we want three thousand dollars for this i'm like are you serious that was that's that's literally double what it was a couple years ago well that's profitable but these big companies aren't turning a profit still yet uh true yeah maybe some of the major ones are still in the red because they're like heavily invested in their setup or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know like some of the stuff that like uh jeff and those guys are doing like they're about to get hooked up i think with the dispensary and be fully legal it's i mean it's fire in massachusetts Yes, I think. I can't remember. <laughs> they might be doing it for Maine, I think. He's, he's in Massachusetts. I know he lives there, but like... It's where it's legal. I think it's also legal in Maine as well. Oh, probably. Yeah. But he came up for Thanksgiving and he just hooked it up with like, dude, some of the best stuff I've ever seen, like, or at least like in, at least since I've lived in the Bay Area. And... Huh. um yeah, it was this, it was just like he could he like could only give me like a quarter of an ounce, you know, like that was it, like unless I wanted to buy like a pound. And it's like right. uh, it's just too much for me. Interesting. Yeah. Where, huh. Weird. But yeah, they're balling. Wait, is this the homie? No, that's the that's the other homie. Word. I'm waiting yeah, for uh, hope it comes through. That would be cool if he can get on. The psychedelic stocks are like the new weed stocks, basically. Like, so is there a lot of volatility in them where there's like, there's a lot of uh, action like along the way? Or are you taking like kind of swing positions? Like trying to I'm like gonna make keep... a 30% gain off like by waiting six weeks or something like that? Probably or more. Okay. I mean, the EV, a bunch of the stocks I've been watching lately in the last couple of weeks, up until a week ago, did like 100%. They dipped 100%? No, they did 100%. Oh, wow. In like a month. Huh. Several. And (laughs) yeah, Danny Mickelberg has been like, We've been chatting in a group chat with me and Austin and Austin is like super into technical analysis. So like, I'm kind of picking up some things from him with that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's nice. Like, I didn't know you guys were getting all into that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, the, t- the technical analysis is pretty, I mean, it works, I guess. I don't know. It seems I like it works. It does for crypto. I mean, it does. It works probably like eighty percent of the time. You know, sometimes it's wrong though. Yeah, sometimes. There's there's a good chance you can you know, you could find a window and be like, there's a trend happening here. I'm gonna you know hedge my bets towards it. That's cool. 
I, yeah. I have to get more into like the stocks. Like I, I spend so much time in crypto that like there's no, there's literally no bandwidth or interest for me uh, beyond that. You know, like once I'm like done with 4chan and crypto, I'm like, I don't want to fucking open up some other app and start trading stocks, you know? Well, you don't have to trade. You just buy them. Well, eventually you have to sell them to profit. Well, yeah, but like there's some you can just get and not have to think about. Like like a blue chip, something like Apple or something? Just... Not necessarily that. I like, I mean, this company that's like 50 years old, it's cybersecurity just listed on the stock exchange. And it's like they do all of, they work with Amazon, Walmart. They do like TSA pre-check and they have like other federal government contracts. What's the name of it? Telos. Telos? TLS. Oh, damn. Watch out. It's going to go through the moon because everybody's going to watch this podcast and say John Knox did buy this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, but the cybersecurity industry is like everything will be cybersecurity. Yeah, like do you use Brave right now? No, what's that? It's like a, it's a browser like Chrome, but oh. I think it's superior because there's no ads and you get huh. paid crypto to use it. And it doesn't mm -hmm. like just sell all of your data to advertising companies. Word. But I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it takes so long for everybody to like switch over to this, like, you know, like there's so much information out there. It's, it's hard to like get everybody to wrap their heads around it at once, you know? Yeah um you should definitely buy some of these mushroom and lsd related stocks yeah do you know the names of them like yeah what <laughs> yeah put them out there like let's promote them let's see uh mind medicine is one that's got some guy from shark tank uh -huh. as an investor and another prominent trader um, but they are developing uh, ADHD-related therapies using LSD. And it's called Mind Medicine? Yeah. That's cool. And what's, like, what is it, what's the trading at right now? What's the price so we can document this officially? On... On uh, November, on the 1st of November, it was trading at around 90 cents. Mm -hmm. And today it's $1.80. Wow. Did it just get listed or something? It was, it IPO'd back in mid-September, I think. Mm -hmm. Or no, uh, it's hard to, I'm not sure when it IPO'd. Maybe March. It's up 10%. That's pretty like sick return though. It's for, up 10%. Well, yeah, I mean, you said 90 cents in, in November. I mean, that's up over 100% now. Well, over the month, yeah. <clears throat> nice. I mean, it did, it did 11% today. What do you trade on? What's your use the Robinhood or 
Well, for stuff like this, you have to get it on uh, OTC think sheet. Oh, so this is like some kind of like like a more obscure thing. I see. Okay. You can't get it on Robinhood. Gotcha. You have to have a real trading account. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, see, this is what I mean. It's like there's there's so much so much to each of these games, right? Like a lot of the reason that I'm so successful with the crypto that I am managing is like just because these people that are giving me the money to trade with don't know how to access what I do. Like there, there's simply the not websites. that. I mean, you have, you have to run a VPN if you want to do any shorting or long positions with leverage. Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely run VPN and like, you know, they're even closing accounts from the U S to Binance right now, depending on like, if you have, you know, an amount that they're like thinking is fishy or whatever. And like, I don't know, it's hmm. making bigger waves in the pool. isn't always like as fun as you think it is, you know, cause like, it doesn't really feel good to be watched so closely and I don't know. Right. But it's the same thing with crypto. There's definitely like some alt markets that are like, if you know how to access them just by being there early enough, you're going to benefit just by being early. You know, you don't have to be smart or a good trader just by holding it early enough. You're going to definitely, win. that's exactly what's, I mean, I bought mine medicine. Where did I buy it for? But are you pulling profits along the way or not yet? Um, not yet. What are you waiting for? <laughs> I mean, I don't need the money uh -huh. right now. And I believe in the future of psychedelic medicine as a legitimate like healthcare. Yeah, oh for sure. I mean, it works. Like hey, what's up, Aaron? Hey, how's it going? Sorry I'm late, guys. Hey. You're good. We were just we were just talking about uh buying psychedelic stocks. So I thought you'd be interested in that, Aaron. Oh, cool. But <laughs> what buying stocks? Well, John, he's been doing really well, I guess, in the stock market and buying psychedelic stocks out of Canada, right, John? They're Canadian companies, yeah. That's interesting. So, I just, so yeah, I just are they involved? Go ahead. Wait, what was that? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, so they're, are they like part of, um, they're like therapy, like therapeutic aimed companies or what? It, are, are they yeah, like they are like, there are a bunch of different companies that are all in like different phases of clinical trials right now. Um, some have gotten out of clinical trials and are working in, you know, prescribing these therapies. Um, but the Wait, so can you tell me a little bit about your experience with like obviously you said you support these therapies you think they work they're going to be beneficial but like what experiences have you had with them that have helped you heal or i don't know grow or whatever oh i mean they just doing psychedelics and like psilocybin and lsd it forces you to really just like look at yourself and what 
what you may or may not want to change. And like the, there was some like stupid meme that was like a guy riding a bicycle and he's like riding the bicycle and the riding the bicycle is like the psychedelic trip. And then someone like puts a stick in his bicycle wheel and the stick and the bike wheel like obviously causes you to fall off. But the metaphor of the meme was like, the stick was facing your self, like your personal traumas or your unwillingness to change what it is. And that's like when people have a bad trip is they're mm. like faced with themselves and like what they don't like. And it all happens so fast. So by the time you've lapsed over what it is, you're, you know, stuck on, you're now having a bad trip and it's, that's all you're having. <laughs> I've never had a bad trip. Yeah. I've uh I've definitely had some bad trips, but I, I but I, I agree with you. I think a big a big part of it is uh you know it's kind of the same thing with like meditation. A lot of people have this notion, and it's important like that meditation is just about like relaxing. Um, but I think meditation certain times, you know, can be very oh shit. <laughs> oh, did I lose? Oh, okay. What that was got? weird. I thought I, I thought I lost internet or something because like my app just flipped away. All right. Anyways, but like, as I was saying, it was like meditation, certain times it can be very stressful. And I think like the quote, bad trips that I've had have also been very transformative. I think for the reason that you were saying earlier about like not being able to run away from your problems because like you know, in real life, you can't always just like default to, oh, I'm going to run away from this problem. You know, I'm having a fight with my girlfriend or my parents. I'm just going to run away. You know, it, they, it, they end up following you. And I think yeah. psychedelics help you remember that. Yeah. And I mean, not every bad trip is based solely around like internal strife and struggle. It can be, you know, totally an environmental factor. Mm -hmm. like, I'm just surprised that you you've are. never had a bad trip, John. Like, you know, like you've never been like, at Burning Man been like, all right, I got to just leave right now. Or <laughs> like, no. I don't know. Not saying no. it has to be bad, but like where it gets like, you know, maybe intense or like uncomfortable to a certain extent. Like, you know, you know that you took a substance that's going to like eventually fade, but like for the period of time that you agree to take it, like it could be like really, really uncomfortable at certain points. Like I, don't, sure. I remember Mike one time, he was telling me about getting a uh, it was like the first time he took some LSD and he got like a, uh, a Subway sandwich or something. And like he was watching the guy make the Subway sandwich. And he was like, dude, I could see like, like I could count every single one of his arm hairs. And it was like the arm hairs were starting to go into the sandwich. And, you know, like wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, say that's a bad, that's, but like that would be like an uncomfortable like moment, you know, where you like have to like put on your big boy face for a little bit at the Subway. I mean, but, that's like, the first problem is like, you shouldn't go try and order a sandwich while you're high on acid. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like you're not really hungry. Probably not. No, you just think you're hungry. Because <laughs> you're trying then, to be like normal when like that's not a good use of your trip. It's trying to do a normal thing. <laughs> Nothing is normal. It's also, yeah, it's important too with a lot of the stuff, like if we're going to recommend, you know, that the general public 
do go out and try psychedelics that it is like in an, in an environment because set and setting we've always known that that's really important and if yeah you know you're unsure you should be with someone who can take care of you if you start going down a dark hole they can be like it's okay you're safe just go totally. like you're gonna make it you know and that's like what they're doing with like mdma and psilocybin therapies is they're guided by usually two physicians the only reason we're having this discussion about like the decriminalization of psilocybin is because of the military also like ptsd has been shown to like positively respond to these therapies and like who has the most ptsd in this country veterans mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like and the military you know as whatever as against schedule one drugs is the federal government is like the military also wants to be able to fix its problems hmm. at any means necessary whatever works like whatever works that's that's the military's attitude like you know it being uh, illegal I'm, now is like no bearing on it working i'm curious um like as you're because it's definitely like a rapidly expanding industry especially as we're you know starting to see more and more studies that are coming out and confirming it like overwhelmingly that these types of therapies work and they're efficient like you don't need to it's not like prozac where you need to take it every day or something you do That's one true. or two sessions and you know you're gone mm -hmm. i'm curious as you're like investing in the space what are you how are you navigating it how are you trying to separate like okay this is just hype or these people have a legit business model these people are doing their things correctly or maybe these certain people are being a little too cavalier or if that's I mean, anyone that's anyone that's begun clinical trials has like decent prospects in the space i would think mm -hmm. as opposed so to in canada you can produce lsd 25 legally right now like are you sure about that <laughs> like uh, i know there's like underground this underground scene but like legitimately think, yeah i'm pretty sure and mdma too that's like, that's amazing. All of those therapies are being explored in the States and in Canada and mm -hmm. in Europe. Are you, uh, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, some of these stocks, John. <laughs> yeah. Because I, uh, I, it's like, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's like one of those things where it's like, we, we're all on this call saying they've, psychedelics have all impacted our lives in a positive way, like, shut up and take my money basically it's like <laughs> you know right i mean i'm not i can't say how much is hype or isn't but it's a bet yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah all financial advice is of course subject you know to, to your own discretion <laughs> yeah of course but yeah no it it, it definitely makes sense I, i'm curious as someone you probably uh sounds like you know more about the industries involved are you seeing any um are you excited about any players who might not be in the like production of the chemicals but like because i remember when i first started like you know michael poland's book came out how to change your mind and stuff and this yeah. has been an idea I've been playing with for a long time is creating like in the future, there would be a place where you could go where you would take psychedelics under a very safe, you know, set, set and setting, but it might be um, 
an innovative form of sort of therapy where like almost like it crosses the border between like a therapy session and like maybe going out like going to a bar or something where it's pleasurable and something that you can go and experience but it's done in a safe way not like hey come over here and pay us and we'll give you a bunch of drugs and then you party and then get out Hmm. but more like you know the the future would be some sort of experiential place that is designed as the ultimate place for you to go through some sort of psychedelic experience with trained people around there have you seen anybody doing like getting ready for something like that have you seen any kind of the experiential side um around that i mean it's not like firsthand but i know that i mean there's like guided ketamine therapy in the Bay Area and Berkeley through like a psychologist. There's like a couple of places like that uh-huh. in the Bay Actually, Area. Actually, I think we have ketamine here in Austin. There's a, there's a ketamine therapy place my friend started working at. Yeah, they're popping up all over. And the difference with ketamine is that it's already legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pharmaceutical. Yeah, they already give it to people. Yeah. Yeah, they already give people. it to people. They gave it to all those kids that were trapped in the cave in Thailand. Oh, really? For the what? Soc- the soccer team. But, like, why do they do that? So they could get them out of the cave because they were terrified. Yeah. Jeez. It's anti anxiety and like a super antidepressant. Like, people who are in like a threat of like killing themselves, like really high danger for suicide. If you give them ketamine, uh, it's not like a permanent fix, but it will like lower their, like it'll erase that kind of like, I'm about to kill myself right now. It'll like completely decimate that. And then just to the level at which you can now talk to the person and settle them down and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've tried it before, like in more of a party setting, but it didn't feel like, it, it, it felt very abstract. It felt very different. It felt very different than mushrooms or LSD. Or That's even not what you want to be. What's that? You don't want to be at a party. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But, I, but, but like, I would almost not even say that's a psychedelic. It was almost like, it was almost like a, isn't it considered a disassociative or something? Uh, I mean, it's a disassociative, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it's like, a, it's like an out of body experience, kind of. Like that's how I would call it. I had a mean trip where I shot up to space over the playa at Burning Man, and my skull and spine was separated from my body, and then I shot was shot back down to Earth, and then I woke up. <laughs> it was like the craziest visuals I'd ever had, and I don't usually get crazy visuals on LSD or mushrooms. Were you like in a confirmed K-hole then for this experience? It was like a K it was like a K-hole rocket ship because I was also on acid. Wow. Oh shit. <laughs> so that's what you think that's what people are experiencing when they go to the doctor to get this? Like no. no um no. I don't think they're doing the same high level of dosage. They're but not it's, putting it's people in K-holes. Injected into you. I mean, I would feel like it'd be even faster and harder if you ask me. Like better than snorting it or whatever, however else you'd administer it. Yeah, I mean, the the difference I think is like in the guided therapies, 
someone is there to I don't know monitor your trip it's unsure about how that works there's only like there's one episode of pharmacopoeia with that dude from vice where he like does the guided ketamine therapy in berkeley oh okay the I'll, first I'll check time he's ever done it like hamilton it. he's that dude's sick i like hamilton. that dude yeah hamilton's awesome yeah he does cool stuff yeah um but like the mind medicine company they're like they're developing using every type of psychedelic for anxiety, depression, addiction, ADHD. So Mind medicine. Yeah. So out. Let's do it. I'm looking it up right now. It looks like uh, some of the ketamine like therapy for treat, like for treatment of depression and stuff uh, is usually in the lower doses. They're not like blasting oh. you out. Okay. Yeah. Although there are certain things I imagine similar to like an ayahuasca experience where they would give you a very high dose in a controlled setting. But I think most of the time they're giving you low doses because yeah. it has empathogenic effects. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. I didn't expect this episode to go so uh, psychedelic so fast, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else have you been up to? I mean, you're making bags. You, you, I know you've been stitching for like over 10 years now right yeah you should tell Aaron a little bit about the like John makes these I mean you started making messenger bags back in the city when we lived in SF what like yeah. eight or nine years ago for freight um, and then and then you have Bermuda which is your own company and like how, how did how'd you get to where you are now uh, how did I get here um <laughs> I mean, I just try to, you know, I'm casual with the brand and like, don't try to overextend myself, like by taking out loans or whatever. It's kind of just like all self-funded. So keeping it small has been manageable and it's still, you know, working out through the pandemic where like lots of other small businesses have had to close because they're overhead and I don't have any overhead, <laughs> which allows me to continue to operate. Was um, there somebody or like some brand when you were growing up that you saw and were like, I want to make bags like that? Or like, like, I, I guess I'm curious what. No, I, to get I wanted to make bags because like, I mean, my attachment to the idea grew from just like my attachment to like my backpack growing up. <laughs> like your backpack was as much a part of you as, you know, any as, or even more a part of you than your article of clothing, like growing up in elementary, middle and high school, like you know, we would like draw all over our bags and like put patches on them and shit and like whatever. Like, so that is kind of like when I was 18, I began to realize that like everybody needs a bag. Everybody needs a bag. <laughs> There's a lot of people. 
It's true. And that means there's a lot of bags. I still use, like you gave me one the last time I came over and it was, it was for my, uh, my, my bag went missing on the plane. Remember like they lost my luggage. Yeah. So I didn't have a toiletry bag and you gave me that. I still have it. I mean, I think sick. Yeah. You'll probably have it forever <laughs> if you don't lose it. Yeah. I mean, unless the airline loses my bag again. <laughs> yeah. Don't let them, don't let them get it. I like that though, like that, that you're uh, feeling like being a kid again and being like, your backpack is important. Like that, it means something, you know, the way your bag looks, the way you wear it, like what's Every, in yeah. it, like everything. It, it, that's, totally. that's interesting. I'm glad you said that because I would have never, I would have been able to never connect those dots on my own. Because like, like there were so many people coming up in the Bay at that time when there was like freight was coming up and then there was chrome and there was like the fixed gear scene so like it was easy to be like oh yeah of course of course you're into that but like literally not that many of my friends have a sewing machine that are actually producing work year after year and it's getting consistently better and you're getting hired for it professionally like you know like you yeah. have a lot of skills you know we grew up skateboarding and taking pictures and you know with with cameras and whatnot but then like just to have this take off for you is like, I don't know, there's nobody else in our friend circle that has any, any, any of this going on. Like, no, there's nobody that showed you how to stitch or like, I mean, you just literally broke it down by yourself, which is like, I think the most impressive part about Thanks. Bermuda. Thanks. Yeah. yeah did, did it start with you just like wanting to make your own bag, just being like, I can't find the bag that I need. So I'm just going to make my own. And then. No, I was not good when I started. <laughs> uh, they were bad. <laughs> um, I think Mike Sabarda has one original one. Maybe. I had no idea what I was doing. I was using like my grandma's home sewing machine. And that I worked making bags for another company for almost five years and that's when I really learned like how to properly construct a bag and then yeah. from 2012 until now I've been doing my own designs in the brand um, that's really cool and yeah, like, because I make everything myself, it's made to order, like I can take breaks or whatever. I mean, like this last year, I kind of didn't, I didn't make any bags for like, I don't know, almost a year or something. As it goes with any creative process, like sometimes you need to take a step back. Um, and yeah. I've been a little busier now. Uh, I'm just like a little more motivated too. But they're out there. I mean, I've got working with a couple stores in New York and uh, one of my like street fair vendors that I work with is like throwing up on a holiday shop for the month of December. Um, I'm working with like some veteran tie-dye magician in Brooklyn who's like been doing tie-dye for like 50 years 
Like, dude, like he's tie dyeing bags. They're fucking. He's really good at tie dye. Can you send us some links so we can post in the like description of the video of these people's Instagrams, like yeah. the shop that you're gonna be featured at? This is a tie dye. Oh wow! <laughs> Damn, that's sick. Yeah, that's fucking yeah. rad. He's that really thing like good. pops. Yeah. Dude, how much are these going for, John? I don't know. These are sick. <laughs> yeah, he's he's good. Starhawk. Starhawk. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll tie dye anything for you. Like he's in Greenpoint. All right, fucking um, <laughs> bring <and> him like, <laughs> over. <laughs> whenever you get his tie dye back, it smells like Nock Champa. <laughs> oh, badass! <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. But he's sick. Like he's lives in Long Island, and he like is just at his shop every every day, like twelve to six, and goes home. And he says his tie dyeing it's like a Zen kind of thing, you know, because he's been doing it for so long. But when after the shutdown after they allowed essential businesses or whatever to, he was like, he was able to open really early because he sells soap ooh it's like a crystal shop you know with tie dye but he tie dyes every single garment that's what the difference is like when you go in there to get a piece from the store it's like a one off thing where you know, know where it came from but then he sells, you know, like incense crystals, books, all that, all that Reiki shit. Dang. I want to go to this shop. Next time I'm in yeah. Long Island. No, it's in Greenpoint. Oh, you said Greenpoint. Okay. He's, he lives, he's from Long Island. I've become such a snail since I moved to Woodstock that I like barely leave the house now. Do you have a car? No, but I just get like groceries <laughs> delivered and. I'm just like really, <laughs> really like soaking in the 2020 vibes lately. How do you not have a car? Uh, because I was at Menla for the last year, and like they had Menla cars, and then oh. they closed. So now, like a car to me, I mean, we'll see. I might have, I might cave and buy one, but it's like they're just a waste of money, dude. Are they? I think they are. They, the cars I've had have been like the <laughs> gas. Don't get the wrong car. <laughs> Right, I want to get like a good Tesla or something sick. So you know, a like, good Tesla. Yeah, not like a bad Tesla. <laughs> get a Suzuki Esteem, dude. Somebody else was just telling me about Suzuki's. Maybe that was you yesterday. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, it was you. It's a you good love car. those cars. It's a, they're great cars. I just found out that the one I did get was like the top of the line model when it came out. I just don't buy the fact that you need a car anymore. Like people tell me that you do. And it's like, I don't agree with that. I take an Uber or I get groceries delivered. Like you don't, you don't know. Are you supposed to go to the beach in New York city once, twice a week in the summertime? <sighs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you can, do, you can do a lot train. more. With car. I'm not saying that it's like not a good tool. It's just like, you don't need one. Like everybody else has one. So why do I need one? I was waiting for a friend outside of SVA, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan at a Starbucks. And 
uh, old man started talking to me, making small talk, and he asked me if I had a car. <laughs> and he was like, you came to New York the right way, ready to work. So you're supposed to have a car in New York then? Yes. All right. Do you have a car, Aaron? Yeah, I have a car. Do you like it? Uh, you know, I mean, there is a degree of freedom and uh, there's a lot of nice things about having a car, especially when, and I think it depends on where you live. Uh, certain places are definitely a lot more walkable and, and uh, you know, public transit is a lot better. But in Texas, all of that stuff is horrible that you can't oh, walk yeah. anywhere um, and public transit really sucks here. So having a car is really nice. It's nice to be able to get to like, you know, my parents live in sort of a suburb. There's shit tons of suburbs everywhere. You can't really navigate a suburb um, in any kind of timely fashion without a car because they're designed, that's the mode of transportation they were designed for. Um, I think I, I would love to see a, a future where I don't have to maintain a car. And that's been a big thing is that like, you know, I think people have this thing, you know, with pets too, where it's like you buy a thing and then you, but you don't realize that buying the thing also requires all of the maintenance of the thing. And so early on, I used to get really upset about, oh, I got to change my oil and get new brakes and it used to freak me out. And so, but it, it took me a while to realize, okay, I have to take a portion of all of my income every month and set it aside for auto repair and maintenance and stuff and gas and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, it is a very, very useful tool. Um, I would ideally like to see something like Uber or something, but more so where it's almost like collectively owned and like, okay, I need a truck cause I'm going to be moving Friday. So I'm going to trade in my car and switch it out for a truck or something just kind of like short-term leases so that's easier and like it's funded by the amount that you rent. I think that Ubers at this point probably are not as cost efficient. I think if you use an Uber to go everywhere, it probably costs more than buying it. I guess depends on the car too. So there's a lot of variables there. Um, but yeah, I, I like my car. I like the freedom it affords me, but I do resent a lot of the other things, especially environmental impact. Um, that's probably the worst thing I feel about having a car. That and paying for maintenance shit just breaks every now and then. yeah i mean we're getting to that point like in china they're already doing uh like electric vehicle rideshare autonomous service that's yeah see i i would like to see something like that pop up here i i don't know if it'll ever happen uh china's yeah i'm excited for that <laughs> yeah I mean, China's going to pave the way for autonomous and EV technology. Like, they just implement things so much faster because it's a slightly oppressive capitalism. Mm -hmm. So the they government just really it. just for, does, they just make it happen. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like what America wishes it could do. Yeah, uh, that's a, yeah, I don't know it's he did it that way here because we could you could get shit done. It's almost like a presidency doesn't have enough time for people to get anything done. They spend half of it undoing what the last guy did. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's literally it feels insane right now to be in the yeah. state and like how slow we're making progress with how fast we're learning all this stuff. It's like 
they should have legalized psychedelics in the 60s you know like mm -hmm. it's it's mind-blowing that it's still getting signed in like right now to me in 20 that, like, that is the difference with china where china doesn't really undo things true yeah. they make things definite well yeah you know and that's something interesting i was listening uh, like about the um there was something about like how China and more, but more of Russia, they're actually taking advantage of the fact that we do have so many like kind of splintering narratives that like, you know, you have so much choice in the, in the United States, whereas in, you know, governments like China or Russia have, things are very dictated by a central, they're very centralized. So they're quicker in certain ways. And they've actually, there's a lot of like people talking about it now, how they're they're infiltrating us via social media and they're not doing anything that's technically illegal. They're creating like, you know, they're sending out fake memes. They're creating Facebook groups that are really focusing on identity politics. And what that's essentially doing is that's creating a lot of, they're, they're ramping up our gridlock. Like we have gridlock designed into our system and they're taking advantage of that and forcing us to be in like a perpetual gridlock state, you know, so we can't really, innovate anymore because it's so what that's allowing China and Russia to do is to catch up especially China they've caught up and they've been able to move so quickly because they can just force every all right everybody no one leaves their houses that's just how you like they don't have people in China getting I mean I'm sure they get pissed off but people aren't in the streets the same way they are here about like hey you can't tell me to not to open well, my business and all this shit I mean they were and look what happened to Hong Kong what, ha what happened to Hong Kong? I didn't hear about that. China finally absorbed Hong Kong. Oh, well, they've been trying to do that. That was, that's like been on the, on the books for forever, but they did finally, oh, well, in Hong Kong, yeah, that's the weird thing, because they were having all those, all those riots and stuff, right? But, yeah, that was related to Hong Kong's, like, autonomous, uh, you know, status in, mm -hmm. like, not being people were not able to be extradited from Hong Kong for speaking their mind and that got squashed and this happened yeah. during the coronavirus right before hmm. mm -hmm. it was like all last year it was like they shut down the airport the protesters like hmm. it was huge uh and China obviously won China always wins. <laughs> <laughs> They're brutal. Uh, I, did, I haven't done much before? research, but it was like right after the coronavirus, I listened to, I think it was a Freakonomics podcast um, with Stephen Dubner, and he had a guy on there and they were talking about, you know, is this the beginning of a new cold war between us and China and a bunch of like kind of what coronavirus will mean in the future between US-China relations. But there was one thing he did sort of mention in passing is that the possibility of a regime change in China, because it's really difficult to to fully understand the picture of what's going on because they restrict information so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder. It's like you know things like Hong Kong and the people there really did not want to be absorbed by China. You know, yeah. and Taiwan. Same with Taiwan and stuff. Um, but I, I don't really know what the situation's like. There, are, you know, there are pluses and minuses to having a big centralized government like China. You know the positives like what we were saying is you can implement change much quicker and when you yeah. need to but the negatives being 
you trounce over people's maybe perceived human rights. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some people might perceive it as a human right, but apparently other people don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Have either of you been to China before? No. I have not. You were born there, weren't you? Singapore. That's like China, right? It's close. <laughs> it's close. It's yeah. close. It's, it's, it's independent and um, there's no capital gains tax there. It's like really big for investment banking. That's like its main thing. Interesting. But, uh, no, I just ask because it is such a different experience going to like Beijing or something than going to New York City. It is 100% different mm -hmm. in every way. Like people's personal space bubble is like different than what you're used to. Like people are literally bumping into you because it's so crowded, you know. When was the last time you were over there? Probably coming back from Bali or something in 2016, like layover or something. And we were, we actually went to, uh, yeah, we actually went to the Wuhan airport and it was like, not a nice airport. <laughs> it was like, it was like some military shit, dude, where like they walked us all outside and there's like guys with machine guns and like, it was just like some super sketchy feeling airport for, for China. <laughs> whereas right. like Beijing airport, um, you know, they had the, the Olympics there. It's super nice. Like everything is like technology, technology is like just cutting edge. Everything is catered and looks super, super fancy and makes you feel good. But then like when you actually get into China, it's kind of like that movie, The Interview, where they like, they set up like, hey, this is what North Korea looks like, you know? And, and then mm -hmm. you like, actually see it and you're like, oh, wow, like actual China is so, it's, hmm, it's a hard to put your finger on it. It's like, it makes you feel like, you know, small and like that there's, there's so much going on on this planet earth that like, you yeah. know, you know what I read recently about capital gains tax? What? Is that, and this is directly off the IRS website, some or all <laughs> net capital gain may be taxed at 0% if your taxable income is less than 78000 Oh, shit, really? And also, capital gains does not contribute to your income amount really yeah so you can report that separately it is separate hmm. so uh, does that count as uh I, I forget it's sort of murky but do uh if you take profit from like crypto does that count as capital gains yes it would yes. Yeah. yeah yeah and if you make less than seventy eight thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars it your capital gain tax may be zero. Well, that's what I mean. Like most people, I wouldn't worry about it unless you're really killing it. On yeah. a level. It's like you're buying, you know, Teslas and shit like that. Then you should probably start paying, paying, paying somebody to do your taxes at least, you know? Right. Just something interesting. Cause yeah, I thought it, I didn't, I didn't know that it was 0%. <clears throat> Well, so, yeah, but see, the thing is like $78,000, like to all three of us, that probably sounds like a, a good chunk of change right now. But like, if you, if we really got into it and in, into the bigger whales, like that's nothing. So, you know, they go to a place like Singapore or Maldives or these places where there is no really corporate regulation. So that they, or yeah, just so they don't have to pay uh, when they pay capital gain tax, like, you know, on $10 million, that's, you know. It could be like a million bucks that you're saving right there by not paying that. Totally. And that's, 
but this is also the problem and this is why i like crypto so yes. much is that like we're gonna we want to take it back and say like yo no more of that shit because like it's unfair to just come up to the us with a suitcase full of money and say like okay i don't have a problem anymore because i paid for it like that's what's fucked us so hard and got us into this position where there's like you know there's like so many fucking epsteins and like dude <laughs> that's like that's like one that we caught you know what i mean like do you know any people right. like out there that are like that and we don't know about right now it's crazy. oh yeah and they have enough money to like keep protecting themselves like so, the hungarian guy but but if we switched it to a more you didn't see the hungarian guy there's i don't even know there's a hungarian guy now yeah he was uh he was like a prominent like anti-gay like politician in hungary and he did what oh the police caught him at a 25 man orgy oh geez yeah but with so, like underage people and stuff no they were of age oh okay well but he was just like strongly outspoken against homosexuality and he was like at a orgy with tons of dudes what it's just like it's so obvious it's like when someone walks around just being like we need yeah. to get the queers off the street it, it's like gay. you know it like how many yeah. times does this have to be fact before people learn like right. <laughs> just what's the problem with gay people just let them let people be people like let them fuck whoever yeah. they want to fuck you know <laughs> like <laughs> those are the non-closeted people the, the ones that are passe or whatever let people live how they want to live like those aren't the ones who are hiding in the closet yeah it's the ones that hate gays <clears throat> yeah. you gotta work that you gotta watch out for <laughs> but yeah oh so once when they caught him he only apologized for breaking coronavirus like uh, <laughs> you know, oh, gathering no. law. He was like, I'm sorry, there was 25 of us. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like He was, he was like, actually there to, to, you know, infiltrate and try to convince all of these gay men that, that they're not actually gay and that they should. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's what he was doing there. He was, he was, had the best of intentions to de-gayify all of these young yeah, men. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Jesse, there's good news out there that's, that's very entertaining. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, you're right. I'm not reading it because I, I might, I'm on 4chan a little bit too much, I think. <laughs> so you're QAnon or what? No, I'm not getting that deep. Not getting that deep, but I'm getting like educated on like uh, race quite a bit on 4chan. God damn, people like are just so cutthroat on there. Yeah, I don't go on there. It's. I think it's. I think it's educating. Like, it, like I think it's. I was I was dating this like social justice warrior chick from Brooklyn for a little bit. So she had this political view that, you know, you know, she's like this upper middle class white lady has all these opinions about the world and whatnot. And mm -hmm. some of it, some of them were like they made they made a lot of sense. And she had a lot of negative things about 4chan particularly and like some of the memes and like incel culture, how racist it is, what the Chad meme is, whatever. Um, and like the more I like broke it down, like it's definitely an interesting conversation. If anything, I miss her just to have that conversation with her again. But like, I think it's a positive that people are 
as open as they are on 4chan to say like, I mean, you can, it's every bad word there is, you know, it's the N word, it's this word, it's that word. But essentially like, we can't realize that we're, we've been enslaved unless like somebody else points it out to us, you know? So it's yeah. like, right. you know, when I'm like making jokes at my friends, like, oh, you're wage slaving at your job. Like part of them is like, you're being an asshole, but like part of them also is learning like, what am I fucking doing here? Like, why am I getting this for this, this, um, why have I agreed to this? You know, like, yeah. so like if we don't have that freedom of speech, even though it's like mean potentially, or like it could be hurtful if you don't have a thick enough skin. I think it's like, it's at least for me, it's what's needed to like, to, to grow, to like get better. Like, like when we would, when we would grow up skateboarding, like there was, if somebody that was like cooler or older than us, like said, you know, you can't do this or something that would be like motivating for me to like get better. Right. Like, right. like, there, like there had to be this level of like, fuck you-ness in it <laughs> a little bit for people to pr progress. Like, do you guys feel like that at all? Or is it like, all right, we should just eliminate racism. Everybody should just pretend like we're going to get along and not, not like see differences in each other. Cause even if you think you're not racist, you are like, it's institutionalized into our culture so heavily. I mean, people have been fighting each other over their differences for millennia. <laughs> yeah. Like, but so, like, so with that though, like, do we do we keep the discussion like all of the people politically correct, or do we like warring factions of Vikings and like you know, people in Europe hate each other. They're all white. <laughs> you know like the the fucking germans don't like the the english and the english don't like the australians and the new zealanders and no one likes the french and <laughs> you know i i did to that point i've been thinking about it a lot i heard a quote I think earlier today, and I, I don't remember the exact wording of it, but it was, I think, by William James, and it was something about, like, he, like, whoever contradicts me is my friend or something like that, Some, something to that effect, and the idea is that, like, conflict is uh, a necessary thing, like, we do need to be exposed to ideas that we do not necessarily agree with off, you know, just offhand. And uh, I think a lot of that's sort of the problem is that people get so triggered and so upset by someone voicing something that they don't agree with that they end up in, in, they end up fueling it because it's like if a social justice warrior type person comes out and then like if someone voices maybe some thing about like I don't know if I agree with uh, you know reparations and they're like don't you realize you're just a fucking privileged douchebag cis asshole blah, blah, blah. it's like you're making the problem worse. You should listen to what they say and then try to have a civil like conversation with it. But by going over, then you're just giving that person more fuel to go into like more conspiracy theories or to start learning about white supremacy and joining up because they feel like, oh, these people aren't judging me, but these people clearly are. And then it's, I think we're creating a culture where we're just, you know, putting ourselves in. I only want to hear things that I agree with. I don't want to hear things that I don't agree with because they trigger me and they upset me and they make me feel uncomfortable. And we need to learn how to get comfortable with feeling comfortable or uh, with being uncomfortable, you know? 
So it, I, I don't know exactly how to do that. I'm currently working on that myself. Um, and I think things like psychedelics or things like uh, meditation are really helpful tools for that. Because, you know, when you're on a psychedelic trip, you don't understand, like, like how can I be looking at blue and tasting blue? You know, how do I hold these two contradictory concepts in my brain? And like psychedelics and meditation force you to do that. Like, right. you just can't run away from it. You have to sit like with this thing that I don't understand at all. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think that that's sort of the issue. I don't know how we answer that, but I do feel like there's a problem of people just like, no, you shouldn't publish this book because it's by a person who voices an opinion that I don't agree with. And it's like, just because you don't agree with it doesn't make it hate speech. You know, so people should, I don't know, they should be allowed to, to say really anything, but uh, I don't know. To your point, people always disagree and have always disagreed. And I think there is a level at which conflict does make us stronger, especially because mm -hmm. there you just as airtight as you think your argument is, it always has a hole. And someone can it's good to debate and then let your arguments win, but realize that the debate is not, you know, ad hominem. If you lose a debate, it doesn't make you a worse person. Or if you have a differing opinion, it doesn't make you a bad person, it just makes you someone with a different opinion. And the ideas can fight. That's, I guess that's the ideal, that goal, you know, at some point. Yeah, I mean, the difference is, like, none of us have ever had to, like, fight for our lives, like, in the face yeah. of injustice and, uh, you know, being, like, given the hardest path to be successful. Like, that, those aren't realities that, have affected us and like that's what people here in new york were have we're fighting for all summer it's like against those true injustices and it was a crazy summer here there was like protests every day for months like thousands of people it was a wild summer like pandemic yeah. or no pandemic this was like one of the best summers in new york city like to remember really? dude it was wild like wow. you don't need bars like it's <laughs> there was like that's so it's cool. true especially in new york city <laughs> yeah there was like crazy like underground parties like happening all the time like just under bridges and in weird places like with crazy sound systems and like yeah it was sick dude that's awesome and that's those are probably trends that are gonna continue and like stay. It's just like a revitalized like DIY culture, really. Mm -hmm. Especially in the face of like what will come this winter and spring is like more venues and places closing. Kind of revitalizing the the underground scene in New York. Yeah. I'm really hoping that the uh, the commercial real estate market takes a big hit and a bunch of cheap commercial real estate comes out and then it turns into what New York was like in the 70s where people could just like, oh, I found a loft, I'm gonna make it an art gallery or I'm gonna make it a whatever, a restaurant, a coffee shop, a bar, a club, yeah. you know? It's hard to say what'll happen with that at this point because yeah. like once one landlord falters to a decrease in rent and that like drives down the entire market and 
they're trying to like stave that off. But yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's like, I don't think it's going to come back. Like, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's going to work for them. No, there's just so many people who are losing their jobs and are not going to be able to afford their rent, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, something's going to, it's either going to be like a massive payout of, from the government or it's, you know, prices are just, the bubble's going to pop. And we all knew this. It, we didn't fix anything after 2008. I don't know. It's like what people are expecting. You know, the market just, we just brushed everything under the rug. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the the riots and stuff that like 2020 was, I don't know, obviously I'm not the most keyed in person, but I think that that was just the beginning. You're going to see a lot more of that unless some serious shit gets passed. You're going to see a lot more of that in 2021, 2022. Yeah. I mean, if, if Biden doesn't like deliver on certain um, you know, points that the protests were trying to make, then yeah, people will protest again. But like a huge part of that unrest, like just came from the fact that Trump was the president mm -hmm. too, because of his stance on everything. Like Ferguson happened under Obama, but it didn't like turn into what it was this year which was like every major city and around the world like protesting police brutality yeah actually that's the craziest thing is that it was all over the world people were protesting in france and fucking yeah all over the place yeah and then the celebration that ensued on the night that the election was announced in Biden's favor that was crazy too like it was just a party all day in New York and all night it was like insane it was like so sick <laughs> it was the best place to be like I don't think any other city was doing it like that in the states maybe like in other places where there's a lot of people out already like New Orleans but like not in Los Angeles where here it's just like everybody leaves their house and it's instantly a party on the street like because mm -hmm. there's so many fucking people <laughs> but there's like sound systems like everywhere and like it was sick that's crazy <laughs> I hear you say I, that dude because like my my connections to new york city um they have you know they've basically moved out of the city and and they're like saying oh the new york's done it's done for the next like five to ten years so to like have your perspective on it is always refreshing because, you know, these are like friends of mine that are in their 40s, they're in a different place in their life. But even when they were moving out, they were like, you know, our whole building felt like it was moving out of the city. Right. Like, you yeah. know, a lot of people were like, we're not going back for the next couple of years, probably. Yeah. I mean, New York has a way of surviving, you know, like the people that are here that are from here, they're not going anywhere. And those are the people that make this place what it is and yeah. under any circumstance. Like, yeah, the people getting out are the people who can get out. You know, it's like the people too. who are like, yeah. Yeah, like, and I'm going through the same thing right now with like working to make like landmark designations of buildings in Bushwick in my neighborhood. Like I'm getting to know these people from this neighborhood who've been here for 40, 50 years, like back 
since before the 70s, before the blackout, like before the 1979 blackout in New York City or 77, whatever, late 70s, where like Bushwick was just on fire, like burning to the ground and had been burning to the ground before the blackouts because of like crime, poverty and drugs, like landlords who'd owned houses in this neighborhood for decades prior since like the early 1900s didn't want to be here. They were just paying kids from the neighborhood to torch their buildings for like insurance money. <laughs> and then the blackout happened. Damn. <laughs> and then and that's and then the neighborhood has just been like decades of city neglect and gentrification planning like since then. And a lot of those people are still here who have seen it all. They've been here since no one wanted to come here. And now it's like a cool hip neighborhood. And they're all like, it's it's such a polarizing place. Like I remember being there at um, I think it was like fourth of July. And it was yeah. just fucking so cracking, dude. Like the fireworks all over Brooklyn, and then people just going nuts all over the street, too. I just it was like that this summer, dude. It was like it was like three months straight of like fireworks every night. Wow. There was like a conspiracy that the fucking FBI or whatever was like giving, selling fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would they so do like, that? I don't know why, to cause. Oh, civil like, unrest or something? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think, you know, from the outside perspective, which is what they really care about, it's like they're trying to paint the protests in as like as bad of a light as possible. It's kind of like what they tried to do too with uh, Occupy, where they tried to frame it oh, like course, it's just a yes. bunch of burnouts and hippies doing drugs in the park and trying to say we should change shit and they're full of shit. You know, no one know none of them know anything. They just want to party and there are definitely police in as disguised as protesters at all of the protests in mm -hmm. the states, in Portland and in Minneapolis. And oh, and every city, they were here in Austin too. Yeah, everyone knows. Like people do not give enough credit to the feds. Like there, there's <laughs> feds all over the place, like in regular ass clothes, just fucking pretending to be a civilian. That's their job, mm -hmm. you know, like they're out there. They, they, they keep the, the country as safe as it is. Like, we have to credit that to the federal, the federal government. Like, but there were specific, here. There were like, specific there's, there's, incidences in these protests that were, like, sketchy, recorded on video of, well, like, yeah, individual know. bad actors causing damage that basically started the riot in Minneapolis. Like, you can trace it back to this one white dude with a mask on like hiding his identity right being confronted by people with a camera asking if he's a cop and then he just runs away but like, dude all right i mean straight up even my brother's a cop and you know that and like yeah. he he knows that there's guys in his fucking unit or whatever that's like this dude's a little bit more of a douche than that guy is like that's just human nature right like you know like not everybody out there is a fucking good person just because they work in law enforcement. Yeah, but they shouldn't be starting riots as the police. <laughs> no, I know. I just, I just, I'm just bringing that up only to say, like, 
maybe we have, you know, like, yeah, there are, there, there is that, but then there's also like, there is a need for like people to be safe, I think, and to have it be monitored to some extent, like, and I don't know, I guess that puts me a little bit more into a conservative point of view, but like, I, I mean, do credit our country being really, really safe, like comparatively. And there's a lot of motherfuckers in here and guns are legal. Like right. the fact that like more shit like George Floyd and stuff like that isn't going down right now to me is surprising. I mean, there's been twice as many shootings in New York this year as there was last year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. People are, people are you know, spending more time in their neighborhoods and just whatever it goes wrong. Like, hmm. Yeah. Well, the shitty parts of New York are really fucking shitty, you know, so <laughs> that's something I think uh, just from my perspective. I mean, it's easy for me, you know, I feel like to look at New York and just kind of be like, what the, why does anyone live there? You know, like it, especially when coronavirus was like, you know, New York was the epicenter of coronavirus. It was like that place, there's like nowhere that's comfortable, you know, like all of the, it's just gray buildings all over the place there's just people everywhere you can't be alone you know and just all of that stuff um i'm sure you get used to it and like new york has a lot going for it but i think a lot of people who don't live there are just like it was crazy oh, you know and and that was almost like the best time of the pandemic was during the height of it because i would go out at night and ride my bike I rode my bike from my house over the Queensboro Bridge down Second Avenue to Chinatown, and I saw like 20 people. Yeah, see, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> in Manhattan. It yeah. was like the most unreal experience ever. It was like never, ever will be like that. I mean, it's still pretty quiet if you go out late at night like that, but not as it was. Like, you, you didn't hear car horns. Like, People like weren't honking during the height of the <laughs> pandemic because they knew like how in distress like everyone was and being affected by this. But like that slowly faded away. Like people are back to being like regular New Yorkers and honking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was like it was a moment in time where there was like a courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a lot of the shitty people who would normally just be all over New York and kind of making everything like worse, they were all just kind of holed up in their houses and all the like kind of chill people were the ones who were going out and like being outside like you, you know, you ride a you ride a bike, you know, so it's like, oh, that's nice. You go out and ride your bike all over. You're not in the subway or, you know, riding the buses where you're just cramped with people in this like dense, smelly urban environment. Yeah, I mean, people were freaking out. Sure. <laughs> they still are, man. It's it's, it's yeah. just such a big deal. It's, it's the they craziest thing that's happened in my lifetime. It's got to be. Yeah. Like, as yeah, far as I mean, it impacted and just changed our lives, like, overnight, all of us. Yeah. What's next yeah, for you, John? How did you get that background on there? It's so uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta uh, figure out to do the background. Preferences. Too. Preferences. Okay. So, um, what's what's next for you, John? Like, how are we how are we gonna end this thing here? 
You're doing you're doing some uh, pop-up shows, you said, for the end of the month, right? Something like that. Yeah, online. And um do you have anything that's like you can let us in on the juicy details of some new project or I don't know, a book or something? I'm making a mug. Oh. What does that mean? I'm trying I'm trying to get like a ceramics project going. That's cool. I'm trying to make a viral mug. Viral mug. It's gonna be all cool looking. I don't know. Designy. I'm using computers. Wow. To so design they, a mug. To make a ceramic mug, you need to use a computer. I'm, I'm not understanding yes. this. Yeah. Like a 3D printer type of thing. No, it's just like a waveform pattern, like egg crate shaped foam, like egg foam, you know? Uh-huh. But on a mug. That's cool. But like smaller, like a lot smaller. I'll have to see a picture. I'm not I'm not getting this. <laughs> That's where yeah, it's it is it is complex. Um, um buy psychedelic stock. Buy psychedelic stock, yeah, that too. Psychedelic medicine is the future. That's a cool mug. What's Aaron got there? Oh, it's a whale for it's a vertebrae. Why is he muted? What is that from like your chiropractor office? Can you hear him? Aaron, we can't hear you. Oh, there you go. He's back. So you know Aaron from when you lived in Austin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what were you just showing us, Aaron? We we lost your audio. Aaron doesn't know. Aaron, we can't hear you. I don't know why we can't hear him. Sick mug, though. <laughs> Aaron, why are you in your garage? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe he can like, uh, we'll maybe, wait. Yeah. I wanted to hear, maybe, maybe you can exit and come back in or something, but. Um, I just picked up this hoodie today from the homie. Yeah. What is that hoodie? That thing is sick. Shout out homie. Damn. Look at that shit. Where do I get one of those? On the Instagram. Then I got this one the other day from the home girl. Well, you, well, you're 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 disappearing into the background there. Let's see, let me see the another one. Oh, this is sick too. It's like barbed wire sequence. That's fucking fire, dude. Nice. Uh, bogus luck. He's the homie. It says, what does it say? Born to lose. Nice. That and sounds then, like some crooked shit. And then it says, broke as fuck. Aaron's back. Can y'all hear? hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you in a garage? Uh, this is where my studio is. <laughs> oh, what's with the head? Yeah. <laughs> what's up? The head. What's with the you. styrofoam head? Oh, the styrofoam head. Oh, yeah. So that's from, uh, I have a, um, the beginning of the pandemic, I want to do more of it, but I, I have these binaurals. So I got these microphones that you put in your ears. And so I put it around the head to create like um, almost like an ASMR 
type thing. Like I was, I wanted to do some like, uh, like take recordings where, you know, you have totally like feels like the sounds are going around your head and then try to put them in the, some of the tracks that I was making. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So that's why I have that there. Yeah. Aaron produces electronic music and oh, cool. also does these, what do you call them? Virtual or like vibrating dance floors, the bass floors. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been like, on one of those. Huh? I've been on something like that. What Aaron? Yeah, they have it's next level, dude. It's when once he gets his investor, it's gonna be fucking green lights. Yeah, the one I was on was pretty DIY. Yeah, these ones are coming along. They're still pretty DIY. The big thing with these are that is that they're modular. So it's right. like a hexagon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you can kind of build them and separate them and stuff. So. so it has like an individual sub, like per hexagon or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like a five inch. Uh, they're actually uh, so it's not a sub. It's like a tactile transducer. So it's like a hundred watt uh, vibrating transducer. Oh, so it, so the tra the transducer like is just synced up with whatever the base track or frequency yeah exactly like so basically the transducer is just the vibrating part of the speaker it just doesn't have the cone because the yeah. cone is designed to move the air so you just get rid of that and then just stick it right underneath the floor and then it yeah it just plays the audio and you just pipe the audio to it and then it just vibrates like it is a sub that you're standing on so that's cool that sounds yeah, so like a really cool thing <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of doing a, a patent application with sort of something with that, but I'm excited about what its effect will be for like people with uh, deaf people and people with like autism or other kind of disorders yeah. like that. Um, That's cool. I've gotten a lot of that. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked right. on that. Um, what were you saying? No, that's that's pretty great. Have you seen the new Xbox controllers for like developmental disabilities no i should look that oh, up though it's like all these crazy like just it's a modular controller like system basically they're all just these they're all just like individual buttons that are just on a cable like so you can position the buttons in like any any way that someone would need them to be to work around their disability or whatever that's cool. Badass. Yeah, I want to check that out because they seem to be fairly good about letting you hack their stuff, you know, like with the connect and oh yeah, totally. That definitely sounds like I already have a search on that. Are you gaming at all right now, either of you? Playing Xbox or PS5 or anything? I'm playing chess. Online? Yeah. <laughs> the app? Because I know that app. That app is fucking addicting as shit. Oh, this is dope, this new controller. This is fucking cool as shit. Chess.com. Yeah, I play that shit. What's your rank? What, on what time limit? Probably like five minutes or 10 minutes or something. On 10 minutes? I think so. Maybe 15 at the most, but like it's usually pretty quick. That makes look, it more interesting. Look up your look up your rate on, on the 10 minute. I'm, I, is, I'm a little rusty, but I, I'll get back on there. What are, what are you at? 7.37. Oh, see, I think I was probably like way lower than that. That's 10 minutes though. 
Yeah. My three minute ranking is 231. Three minute? I used to play one minute games, but I wasn't very good. I've been getting better. Coming out with the Queen's Gambit or what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, chess. That's like, it's a funny game. Well, that's what's funny about the chess website right now is I think there's a lot more people playing who like have watched the TV show. Oh, the Netflix series or whatever? Yeah. Because I was, I've been playing like since before that. Right. So there's a huge influx of people that just like suck. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I've noticed that. But this is the same. You can see like what country the person's playing from and everything, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Usually Americans are the worst. Yeah. But I got into it from a boxing coach and like the boxing coach was saying how chess, you could connect it to boxing, I guess, if you wanted Mm -hmm. to, but like having that level of like thinking ahead, you know, even if you're in a boxing match is really important. So that's why I started playing chess, but yeah, that the TV show is cool. It's definitely cool. I'm stoked more people are playing. But did you I, watch the that, that video game that we have right now? Though, like, no, none of us are playing cool video games. There's got to be something sick out right now. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Is that a game? That's the game of the of the of this. Yeah, that's the cool game right now. Cyberpunk. Okay. You haven't heard of that? Uh. Uh-uh. What's it for? Is it on Xbox or Xbox or? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a super sick game. Hmm. Check it out. You you should check out the trailer or something. Yeah. Yeah, I just got my TV back, so it's like, you know, it's got to have it's got to have something going on on that thing. At some point, I mean, it's the holidays, so I'm gonna be like here doing nothing. Yeah. So I drew some lines on on the Bitcoin to oh. mark out possible squeeze point, and it like it did exactly what i thought it was gonna do at the line which i was gonna say my friend just hit me up and he was like should i sell all my bitcoin on this call i'm just like what's happening out there (laughs) i mean there's a good chance that it's just gonna do exactly what it did the last several months but in the opposite direction yeah i mean just like slowly go down to something true i just gosh i don't i don't believe it until we break the all-time high personally we did it broke 20k like what yesterday or something no that wasn't the real all-time high oh back in uh 2017 mm-hmm. yeah that wasn't the all was i thought it hit like 20k or something i was close in 2017 195 okay well we've hit that right like it's it's broken that um no actually it was 19 it was one it was 19,783 and right now i'm looking at it it's like 19,000 exactly like i don't know why everybody's freaking out but it didn't it didn't create a new high not yet it hasn't no no it still hasn't broken the 2017 mark yeah 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 which is a big which is like 
uh, I mean, I wasn't confident that it would break 20,000. Really? I think it's going to. I don't think so. Hmm. It's so, think about all the people that bought it at like 17, 18, 19,000. That's like a lot of people. From 2017, you mean? Yeah. Not all of them held though. Most of them sold at a loss. But you don't, it's hard to say like how many of them out there that are, that waited till now to break even. True, but like you, but the thing about crypto is like you can just look on the blockchain and you can literally look at the wallets holding Ether or Bitcoin or any token and be like, okay, these people are obviously know what they're doing or they or they don't. Yeah, I mean, so basically on TradingView, this is what I use. I use uh these two indicators. Uh huh. The the moving average. <laughs> I like how that was like disappearing. We can't we can't see the actual. Yeah, yeah it was like blending into the background. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, uh, the are uh, the purple one. The purple one is like the RSI, the relative strength index. Uh huh. And so basically, when it's at the bottom line, is when you want to buy it. Right, 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 right. As you can see, it coincides with that. Yeah. And this is the like. I don't remember what it's called, but it shows like, it shows the, what was it called? Where are my indicators? I can't remember right now, but you see the green lines. That was the squeeze point. Right. That was the trend line. That's the bottom. That's the trend line for the bottom. You draw the trend line from the top of the the most high, the previous high, mm -hmm. and then you get a rough idea of where you're going to see a breakout. Is sort of how it works, and it broke out exactly there, at the squeeze point. And I thought it was going to break down, and it did. Right. You said earlier in the call that you were shorting Bitcoin. So you're waiting for it to break down right now. Yeah. From 19,000 something. But I think if Bitcoin goes down right now, that's good because it'll send all the profits back through the alt market and it's going to kick up all the coins that I'm holding. I hope. <laughs> but usually if Bitcoin goes down a little bit, the alts do kick back up because profits go from one to the next. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um what is it the other i watched this weird video of this strategy that was written about in the 1920s uh re relating to the s p so what did it what did the guy say so there's um there's another there's another indicator that's Call, that's the moving average band. Uh -huh. And the band also displays around it like 1% above and 1% below, like the moving average. So basically this technique 
that this guy's talking about that's really old is is using like a leveraged ETF. So like when the S&P 500 is above the 200 day moving average, you're supposed to buy this leveraged ETF and vice versa. When the S&P 500 is below the 200 moving average, then you sell. And it's like a way to kind of like hedge yourself in the proper direction because the ETF is like doing the same thing. An ETF is a collection of stocks. Right, right. And it's a safer way because the ETF is only going up and down by like 75 cents or like whatever, 35 cents. So if you're on the correct side of that 75 cents and that's your position is of a certain size, then that's like a lot of money. We should have you on with uh, Daniel. We're going to have a, our friend Daniel on, on Monday, who's going to do like a crypto deep dive with us. Uh, Word. A little bit about like Tezos in the platform. Yeah, he's really into Tezos. But uh, yeah, it would be nice to have like, it'd be cool to do more like finance stuff or like just even uh, like checking in with people of our age range about like what- You should get Austin on here. Yeah, 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 we should. We he, He's been doing a lot of technical analysis. Cool. And can like speak at length on who in the space of TA is reputable and and whatnot. Okay. Well, the, the one thing I wanted, like before we before we wrap this or. Um... I just don't want to leave the call without asking you about the Blender show, John. Oh, right. Uh, so BYOB, it's a show about how food tastes when you put it in a blender <laughs> and drink it. Dude, I got it. I'm going to send this to you, Aaron. It is so okay. fucking good. The little like Instagram episode they did where he went to the, it was a Burger King or something. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. And you blend it all up and the people are just laughing at you. Like, oh man, I cannot yeah. see another episode, dude. Uh, Yeah. People really liked the idea. We got a lot <laughs> of positive feedback on like, it and some of the one of the comments was like this is how you win new york and i was like this is exactly how you win new york you guys are going to do it <laughs> keep watching keep watching yeah and i was missing a tooth at the time so it's pretty good <laughs> Shit, work. <laughs> Put it all in a blender. Yeah. <laughs>
But that's with uh, yeah, it's a good time. That a pine that you shot that. Who who shot that for you? Yeah, Alex did. We did it on an iPhone. <laughs> it looked really awesome. Thanks. Uh, I directed it. Yeah, you usually have to do that for him. Yeah. <laughs> as, as Alex is. <laughs> yeah. We should yeah, get. Yeah, we got doing. What's up with that cat? Oh, I don't know. Nothing. Trying look. Trying to decide if he wants to move out or or not. Fair. Yeah. Um. But yeah, BYOB next episode two coming soon. All right. Yeah. Don't keep Can't us wait. much longer. Oh yeah. I yeah. also before we wrap. Uh, I also just dropped a track on like it just went live on Spotify today. So oh, nice. I'll spend the rest of the day promoting that out. So hell what's yeah. Um, what's yeah. the name of the track, Aaron? It's called Forces. Forces? On, uh, yeah, Forces and Shadow Sweat is the name. So I'm working nice. on, I got to do a bunch of editing for the video later okay. today. So, but yeah, that's what I'm working on. But I just wanted to plug that before we wrap up. I'm stoked. Uh, yeah, what's your Instagram too, by the way, John? Uh, John Knox Czar or cool. Bermuda underscore SF is the bags. Is there anybody else you want to shout out in the comments or anything for the show? Bermuda, Ray Pine, your bags, yourself. Um, track, obviously. Who else is out um, there promote? <laughs> Uh, the John Wilson show on HBO. Okay. What is that? How to with John Wilson. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you got to check it out. Okay. I will. It's hilarious. I believe you. Yeah. It's a good show. John Wilson. How to. How to. All right. Um, who's the, yeah. Who's the guy on Comedy Central that does like the parody show? Trevor Noah? No, like, um, Who's on he's Tom like a Canadian comedian. Um, fucking, he did dumb, like dumb Starbucks. I don't know. Nathan Fielder. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's the executive producer. Oh, for the John Wilson show? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> you, you haven't seen you haven't seen Dumb Starbucks though? No. Oh, you gotta Google that. Okay. <laughs> right after this. I will. That one is great. With Nathan <laughs> Fielder. Yeah. Um, word. What are you doing? What are you doing for Christmas? Are you talking to me? Yeah. I'm just staying right here. I don't know. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna throw like a psychedelic pajama party for the solstice on that weekend and just have like a, like a rainbow party. Yeah, just like I have so many like goofy hippie friends up here and like my roommates are all just they're awesome and like want to play and hang out with like sexy people. So we're just gonna have a big party and see what happens. Do but, they boof? <laughs> They're 23, 24, so it's like, we're, you know, we're like... Well, they boo. I don't know, dude. Like, Felix is a freak, so he does some shit that, like, 
I don't think any of us are even on the level of, so. He's probably boofed. He's trans, so he knows a lot about boofing and, you know. <laughs> Dude, as far as I'm concerned, if you don't boof, you don't fuck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I read a, you know, Arrowhead, right? Yeah, yeah. I read a trip report about somebody that boofed a whippet. What? First of all, it doesn't like work. Open, yeah, what? Second of all, <laughs> the, so you know how when you talk, when you do a whippet, your voice is all like lower? Yeah. So the same thing happens to your butthole when it farts. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. It produces a it produces a much lower frequency fart. Oh, that's than so normal. I'm gonna have to I hope it's true. <laughs> yeah. Oof a whip it just for the fart sound. <laughs> I think I'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a good place to yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, kids. <laughs> All right. Sell your sell your Bitcoin and boof your whippets. Yeah. <laughs> sell all your Bitcoin and start boofing right now. <laughs> hey, brother. Catch you on the show, dude. Thank you for joining us. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Good, good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. See you, Jay, man. Yeah, let's talk soon. Um, and yeah, me and Aaron, if if you have a sec, Aaron, we can just go over the ending of this, and I'm gonna stop. Yeah. Yeah.